Thanks for tuning in. You're listening to the Shred Coach Podcast with Tom Adams. On this week's episode, Tom meets with Jim Barron, Director of Sales at Gilmore based in Pensacola, Florida. Jim is a longtime sales leader in the shredding industry. He discusses the history of selling in the industry and some of the differences he sees between the early selling and today. But the big takeaway in this episode is the way they sell hard drive destruction to existing clients with small numbers of hard drives. Jim Barron, welcome to the Shred Coach Podcast. Tell me a little bit about who you are, what you do, where you are in the world, and we'll dig in from there. All right. Well, my name is Jim Barron. I'm the director of sales here at Gilmore Services. Oh, excuse me. We rebranded over COVID. We are just Gilmore. We dropped the services. So I am the director of sales here. We do document shredding services, both on-site and off-site, from greater Montgomery South to the coastline, so all of Southern Alabama and all of Northwest Florida, all the way over to Tallahassee and little corner of Georgia. We provide document shredding services, both on-site and off-site. And then we also have document storage services, as well as document imaging. Document storage facilities are in Pensacola and Mariana, Florida. Okay. So besides the document business, are you also in the moving and storage? Yes. What else are you, like, I, I, I have story. heard that Gilmore does a whole <laughs> lot of stuff. Yeah, well, the, the, It's a family-owned business. It was founded in 1955. Okay. Uh, by James Gilmore, who would be Lucas and Jacob's grandparents. He's formed the company as a, started the company as a moving and storage company. And then wow. when Rodney Gilmore got involved in the business, they expanded into the document storage initially, then into the document shredding, and then into the document imaging. So uh, records and information management, the vision of the company was born out of moving and storage. Mm. We still provide yeah. that service today, residential and commercial moving and storage. We've localized that just in the greater Pensacola area. Okay. Matter of fact, Gilmore just moved me last week. <laughs> oh, they, yeah. they did as a, as a moving yeah. service. Okay. So this is primarily about the shredding business. So can you give us a bit more about what Gilmore's doing, which you, you said on and off site. Correct. So you've got a fairly big footprint, it sounds like. So tell me about like how, how many team you have, trucks. Sure. You know, just give me an sure. insight into sure. what the scope of your service is. We run about 11 trucks in the fleet. We have about 48 employees spread out between Montgomery, Tallahassee, and Pensacola. We do service Mobile, Alabama, but we service that out of the Pensacola office. We station vehicles up in Montgomery and over at Tallahassee out of our Mariana office. So we run, like I said, I run a fleet of 11 vehicles. Primarily, the bulk of the, the fleet is on-site shredding. More of the off-site shredding has taken place more locally here to the main facility in Pensacola. Got it. Now, you've been in the industry a long time. So back in 2010, I think you were the NAID president Correct. back in that so you've been, I mean, to be the president in 2010, which was, I don't know, like 12 years Correct. ago, means to be the president, you've already been in the game for a while. So can you give me a little bit of your backstory sure. in the shredding world? I started in the shredding business. I was trying to think about this. It was either 94, just as our youngest was born, or is 96 after she was born. So it's somewhere between 94 and 96. I'd have to 
dig it up. I think it was 96, but anyway, so I've been in the industry just prior to HIPAA coming out and the HIPAA laws. So wow. started selling basically shredding services and commercial recycling services. I was working for Shredrite and Ron Industries up in Minneapolis, Minnesota. Spent 17 years with them as a sales. So seeing the business begin back when, you know, when I first started in the business, Shredit wasn't even in our market of Minneapolis. That's to give you an idea how, mm. infant, how early on in the industry I was involved back when you had to go out and talk to people about why there was a need to destroy information and why you shouldn't just be recycling, mm. you should be shredding it. So we started out as a plant-based operation and then moved into mobile shredding up in Minnesota. And so you've had years and years of experience in the industry and primarily you started as a sales rep and now you're a director of sales. Correct. So has your focus always been on the sell side in the shredding industry? I would say yes. Yeah, okay. always on sell. Okay. I think I have a good understanding of operations. I think from a sales mm -hmm. perspective, I understand what drivers and routing and operations people would to go through to service a customer. I've been in the business long enough and I've had to get in a truck in the early stages and actually go out and service routes and do that myself, you know, so I've done that. So I think I've got a real good understanding of, you know, to what you're capable of doing. So I don't over oversell our abilities because I understand what we're up against. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and in light of that, I think, you know, as you know, the focus of our podcast is a strategy or tactic mm -hmm. or tool or implementation you've done and the impact on your business. But I think where I'd like to start with you is maybe get some degree of insight on sales in the shredding industry over time, sure. because it's really changed. I mean, you just mentioned there that historically you had to go convince Correct. people to shred. And now we tend to rely a little bit on, you know, people knowing enough to call for shredding. Yes. So give me a little bit of your perspective over history and sure. over time on a sales focus. Yeah, it's really interesting. I was thinking about that because I knew it was the kind of conversation we'd have. But I always have a funny story that I would tell back in the early days when you had to go out and convince people that shredding was important and you needed to shred. And when the kids were growing up, we sat around our counter. And after school, we always have stories and all. And one day, my youngest, Jamie, had come home. And I don't know. It had to be elementary school. And they were talking about careers. And at the time, my wife was working on uh, her law degree. So we we're talking about why she was going to go into law school, change a career. And then Jamie said, Dad, what do, I don't get what you do. It's paper. What's the big deal about paper? Who cares about paper? And I said, well, what do you mean? Who cares about paper? It's just paper. It's no big deal. I said, I grabbed her backpack. And I said, Jamie, let me see what's in your backpack. What's in there? What kind of paper's in there? And I pulled out a folded note by circumstance and she started yelling and screaming at me, dad, dad, don't open that up. Don't open that up. You can't see that. You can't see that. I said, Jamie, it's only paper. What's the big deal? It was a note from a boy who had written her a love note. Right. Beautiful. So I use that as there's the importance of paper, Jamie. It's not the yeah. paper. Yeah. It's what's on the paper. That's why what mm -hmm. I do is important. You know, it's not the paper. It's the shredding the information on the paper. So it's just a very elementary way to explain it. But it was such a real life story with the kids and talking about careers. And they just thought, well, mom's going to be a lawyer. And all you do is, you know, shred paper and pick up paper. Yeah. The other, the other cool thing there is mom creates the paper. Dad gets rid of it. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. So that, that's kind of how yeah. the industry really began. HIPAA helped jumpstart us into the importance of information and data destruction. But really, 
you know, we would go out in those days. And first of all, you've heard the stories, just doing security audits, looking in the dumpster, see what valuable material is being thrown away, going out on one and two bin placements and sitting down and trying to convince them why they should have a collection bin next to their copy machine. And they should really have one next to every copy machine and doing the on-site security audits. It was really a hands-on educational process of selling. Now it's changed because everyone understands the need for shredding to much more of an inbound marketing platform than an external sales platform. Right. So when you think, when you think back historically though, because if there's people listening who never were part of the industry and a lot of people listen to this, who have no history, you know, they've maybe been doing it for a year or two or three or four even. But like, I I remember back in the day, um, and you (laughs) and I are about the same age. (laughs) But no, I, I remember taking a console, I would wheel a console into a sales call yes. and I'd say, why don't I just leave it here yeah. so you can try yep. it. Right. Yep. And, and there would be sitting in their office and the sales pitch to me was invest in the console to get them to try it, to be comfortable Correct. with the fact that you just, you just shove your paper in that little slot there. And I mean, tell me a little bit about those early sure. sales pitches that you were doing. Well, I had a, the dual because I was in the recycling, selling commercial recycling to office buildings mm-hmm. as well as the shredding. So when I was in the offices and doing that, I would promote, let me come in and just do a security audit to what people are discarding in your office. And typically you're dealing with someone in an office administrative type role at that time. You weren't dealing with a, you know, a records manager. And sometimes you're even dealing with a facilities person. And so when I did the security yeah. audits, we would just walk through and I said, what's the security audit going to tell? Well, we're going to just take a couple of the recycling bins and we're going to sift through them initially and see what's in them. And that was an eye opener to people that what their employees were discarding in the general recycling in both healthcare and financial and just any type of corporate America. So that was one of the initial things we do is let me come in, no obligation, do a security audit, see if there's any risk mm. of information leaving your facility. So that is how you know we were doing that. And like you said, wheeling in those cans. I remember initially I was wheeling in the wit metal containers. Do you remember those? Oh, the yeah, metal yeah, yeah. containers yeah. that you'd have to pull the bag up out of and it would suction up out then of they put it. Yeah. Then they ended up putting a plastic insert in there, but they were the metal wick containers. It was before you right. had the cabinet council containers, even in the industry. And in basically I'd wheel those in on a two wheeler. Yep. Right. Cause they were so heavy. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. So fast forward, sure. the whole security audit thing to me is is something that I, I see across the industry, sometimes in places where it's talked about more as an inbound approach, but it's not, do you still feel like you activate a security audit as part of a normal selling process anymore? Not at the minimal bin placements. People are so ingrained in data protection now through all the efforts of our industry, specifically what Nate has done over the years and the members that have been involved from their community shred events and you know, the HIPAA and things getting on TV and all of that, that companies know they need to be shredding their documents. So now they're calling up and you're, instead of going out on a in-person sales call to place a few bins, you know, you're being able to close that business over the phone. You were never able to close two or three council bin over the phone. You needed to be in person. And Right. You know, that has really changed, you know, because people are seeking us out more so than us seeking them out. 
Yeah. So when a marketing driven agenda, right, and that's primarily what the industry has had to adjust mm -hmm. to, which is how do we deal with inbound? Right. So how have you seen the role of sales evolve with the move towards a client base that is more aware, yeah. they're more security conscious, more aware? How, what, what have you seen? What have you implied? Well, how, do, how do you think about I that? I think about in really the same terms, but you just need to do it over the phone. Initially, mm. we're told, let's not start out with price. That's not what we do. We kind of do a security or we ask those questions. You have to really do that same thing over the phone and take the time. Even though they're calling you, you think it's a done deal sale. So that you're thinking all oh, they want pricing, but you still have to separate yourself from the competition. You need to ask them the questions. Do you currently have a service? Okay. Yes, we currently have a service. Would you mind me asking what is, what prompted you to make the call today? Well, I'm just price shopping. Oh, okay. So price is important to you. What other qualifications are you wanting in your vendor? Are you wanting on-site, off-site? Are you what kind of level of insurance are you requiring your vendor to make, maintain? Are you requiring your vendor to maintain a level of certification through NAID? You, know, you need to still ask those questions, even if they just said you're calling on price, because you can still do a good needs analysis over the phone. And I think a lot of times what I see now is because they're calling us, we don't do that needs analysis anymore. We're not taking yes. the time to evaluate the customer over the phone. And they may not even have thought of that depending on who's calling you. Oh, I never thought of what level of insurance you need to carry. I never thought about the certification or the process. You know, you, you need to ask those needs analysis questions over the phone. And so often I think we just go, because they're calling us, we go straight to price. That's such an interesting point because what I hear you saying there is, as, as you're describing it, what I hear you saying is the act of taking an inbound call becomes a positioning statement. Correct. That's yeah. a good way to paraphrase it. Exactly. Yeah. As you have s spent so much time in the industry, you, you've just talked about inbound informing the way you do audits, but they're more audits about needs analysis mm -hmm. that becomes positioning. What else have you seen or what else have you seen working in terms of whether it be in your business or even in the industry, because you've been around it so long, what, what are some of the, you know, insights from a sales perspective that you might give us? I think the personality still has to come through. When you're in person, you can develop a rapport much easier. That's like our call today. You wanted to do this visually so we could see each other. So often now, because it's an inbound, the communication is coming through email, through a form submittal, or it's coming through a phone call. So you still have to develop the rapport and that's a little bit more difficult to do without seeing someone face to face. So I think that is still a strong, it's no, and that means, you know, you're still doing that needs, but throughout that process, you still have to be personable and develop rapport. People still like to buy from people they know, like, and trust. So how do you do the know, yeah. like, and trust over the phone or in an email? So how, how do you, because that's, that's, that's the, the tough, that's, that's the perennial that, that's question. The tough question. So in, in the email process, depending on how the lead's going, you just have to start with some opening statements. You know, it's nice to meet you. Please tell me a little bit more about what your needs are. And you have to look at the general things you do to develop rapport in your area. If you're currently prepping for a hurricane or there's one out in the Gulf and you're communicating with someone in that area, how's your preparation going? Whatever it may mm. be, I mean, you always talk about the weather or whatever, but you still need to try to and see the inflection in your voice too. You know, I really believe people can hear a smile, mm -hmm. you know? Yes. So 
Yeah. If you're smiling as you're talking and you're being as friendly as you possibly can, that's going to come through and help in developing that rapport. So you're a director of sales. So how do you teach that? We do like, role do playing teach? with my knit. Do you? Right okay. now, you know, when I bring on a new salesperson, we'll do role playing. We'll do it from a phone and not in person. You know, you need to do that too. And then that all depends on how seasons a salesperson you're bringing on. No. Yeah. Yeah. Because a and lot of times in teaching sales and in teaching rapport building, you're often dealing with a, if you've, you've been out knocking doors and doing sort mm -hmm. of in-person sales right. development, you've get, you tend to get a pattern or a rhythm to how you do things. Right. Whereas coming into the phone game and the tendency is to do what you just said, oh, they want a price. They're already calling yeah. me. So I don't need to do any work here. Right. And right. you have to listen. Part of being that too is when you role play, we do some listening. You can tell when someone doesn't want to give you information. They don't want to talk about the weather. They're busy. They want to move forward. You need to be able to listen to hear what you're hearing from them as well. Yeah. Well, yeah. you have to you know, put yourself in that position when you get the, the emails or the sales calls. And now I don't want to talk to, you know, someone here about my insurance or my is going to expire. You know, so much now we're getting these robocalls that we need to be more personable, in my opinion. That, that's going to make a sale. Someone calling up the robocalls isn't going to make a sale. So you come into Gilmore and as a director of sales, I, I guess I'm going to put you on the spot sure. a little bit. Have, have you seen or found anything that works particularly well from a sales perspective? Like, is there anything that you guys are doing that, that might be interesting for the audience? Yeah, we, a lot of our, our shorting companies today are in data destruction, shorting a hard drive. And that's an expensive process in comparison to a purge of, of paper documents. So we kicked this off several years ago after attending a week down here. It's called the I-10 Wired Conference. It's a conference in the panhandle for people in technology. And we brought the hard drive destruction equipment out to this conference. And these are all people in the cybersecurity arena and the data protection arena that are dealing with the hardware in their facilities. We brought our equipment out to this conference and we promoted prior to it bring one or two of your personal hard drives and we will destroy them on site to see what we could do. Now we actually got some large scale projects out of that, but so often we heard from companies, you know, I don't have that many to destroy. I've got a file cabinet full of 10 or five and you know, I just, they just sit there till they pile up. So that got us to thinking, how can we hit that market? How can we hit that small company that has got the hard drives in the file drawer? They've, you know, upgraded there, they've taken the hard drives off, they're sitting in a file drawer. So we basically took it from the paper side of thing, route density, right? That's what really drives good revenue is good route density. Let's try marketing this to our existing customers. We've got a database of existing customers that are small businesses down in where we operate in Northwest Florida and Southern Alabama. And we really have really more small business. We don't have the corporate giants that you have in a major city like Chicago or Minneapolis mm -hmm. or LA. So we said, what if we picked a day? that we're going to be in this region or this city. So for us, we picked Tallahassee, Pensacola, Mobile, Montgomery, Panama City. And we said, okay, we are going to set aside this day. Let's put it out four weeks, Friday, whatever. Just pick a day. We're going to be in Tallahassee shredding hard drives. If you want to get on the list, get on the list. So mm. we just automated that process and set out a marketing email to all of our customers in that region because you can separate through your database who's in which city right and we set out notifications say we're going to be in your area on such and such date 
we're going to be offering hard drive destruction at this rate. We offered a rate for the first 10 hard drives, and it was you know, a competitive, very reasonable rate. If you would like to get service, email us your customer number, click on this form, complete this form, and we will put you on the route for that day. Well, that turned out to be quite successful in the fact that that gave that person, hey, you know what, I've got 10 hard drives sitting over there in that file cabinet. We should get those destroyed. So they automatically mm. signed up. And then it gave us that route density to offer a discounted rate because we're doing in that geographic location, 10 to 15 stops. And that is day just for the hard drive destruction. And actually, right. you know, we found that more people had more than 10 than you'd be. You know, a lot of them had more than 10 hard drives. Right. So, so the innovative, I think the really cool, thank you for sharing that. That's a, that, I love that idea, which is take a high cost asset and are you running a hard drive shred truck? We actually, we, is that we have it? a uh, trailer with a generator and a shredder in the trailer. Yes. Okay. So it, it's a, a unit, separate to, unit itself. Unit to itself. Self-continuing. Yeah. Yeah. It's got, yeah. you know, so we've got the computer in there. It's air, air conditioned so they can sit in there, scan the hard drives and destroy them. So yeah. nice. But what you're saying is that that high cost machine, mm -hmm. instead of in what you're saying is sort of be haphazard in its delivery, mm -hmm. you're presenting it as an option to existing clients, which means a, you don't have to do the marketing mm -hmm. work as much. It's still marketing, but it's, it's not new. It's not a new client. It's an existing yeah. client who has 10 or more or 10 or less, right. but I love and we're that. Setting, it's it's it, kind of like, Hey, the bookmobile is going to be in your area this day. That's when you go yes. get your books or the blood. The bloodmobile is going to be there. So here's yes. the date. Here's the date we're going to be there. And we even thought about seeing if we staged it at a certain location in that city. And then they brought them to us. But then we that was just, yep. it was more logistic issue than actually driving to them. So we just said, okay, we're going to be in this city on this day. Sign up and we'll come to you. Love it. Love it. So, yeah, no, it's, it's such an innovative, I think it's such an innovative way to think about it versus the traditional way, which is just do more inbound marketing. Correct which is how do we get new people in the door instead of how do we use our existing asset plus our existing Correct. database? Well, it's no different than uh, with inbound marketing now. When you have routes, areas in which you need to fill, it's so simple to concentrate your inbound marketing efforts in a geographic zip code area. You can do right. all that. I mean, the technology yep. is extremely, you know, before yep. the old days, let's go back to when you and I were selling, if operations came to us and said, we need to fill this route, we go out and knock on doors in that route, yes. right? Yeah, I remember Greg Brophy, yeah. um, who founded Shredding. Mm -hmm. That was the whole model. He he put his sales reps on a building. He a he wanted he didn't want his truck to move from that building yeah. back in the day. Yeah, it's all road so, density. Yeah, that's really that's really cool. Well, that to me is a uh, you know I often say what's the practical impact and value to your business, and I always want to show that's worth ten thousand dollars. <laughs> so to me, that sounds like it's got a whole lot of really good return on investment yeah. in that instinct to go that so direction. So what we try to do is we try to do it the fourth quarter every year. We just designate the okay. fourth quarter and the customers have gotten used to that. And we pick the days of the city and we send out the emails and target rates to our customers in those cities. Beautiful, beautiful. Well, very cool. Well, Jim, that's, that's a really insightful extra as long as well as I love the whole concept of the questions in the needs assessment that become a positioning mechanism. And I feel like that's, that's a really helpful to our listeners and 
giving them some very valuable tools there. But as I end my conversations, I always like to kind of find something unique about you. And I I mean, I've, (laughs) I've heard stories about you. Let's first just Um, hear the story. Then we'll go from there. But no, I was digging in a little bit and I discovered that, you know, one of the longest time that I know people selling shredding in the industry actually has a degree in vocational (laughs) rehabilitation. So Tell me how you go from vocational rehabilitation or what that was about into shredding. Cause that, that's a short, that's uh-huh. a, it's between what I saw in your LinkedIn profile between, you know, finishing your degree and going into shredding was a very tight connection. Yeah. So, yeah, it, so I, I did get a degree in vocational rehab in 1985 with a minor in coaching and I went to work. We've got them in our industries that kind of like the Goodwills, like ARC gateways. I went to work for a company yep. in Minneapolis called Rise and we work with people with developmental disabilities and I did a training for them on a worksite enclave and then I went into job placement, which was basically sales, mm. um, helping people with, they're ready to be placed in the competitive workforce. They may have a physical, mental, some type of developmental disability into job placement. So I did that. Then I went to work kind of in the same industry to work for a college, we still had that same population, but we worked more in with individuals from economically disadvantaged standpoint and displaced worker program. I was what they would call a job developer at the time. So I went out and worked Mm. with businesses and, you know, looked at what they had as far as, you know, job opportunities set up on the job training programs to get people that were employed, that needed to make a career change. And then as the economy got better and a little, you know, mid to late eighties, our dollars from the federal government started to dry up. And through that process, I worked with a lot of chamber of commerce Mm. and uh, actually took a job as a director of a chamber. And I was there for 15 months, probably the hardest job I've ever had being a director of a chamber. And then (laughs) my cousin so happened to be doing, he was in sales and marketing and advertising and redoing a brochure for a company in Minnesota called Ron Industries. And they were looking to add a salesperson and he referred me to Ron and that's how I went to work selling document shredding and recycling services in the early 80s, early 90s. Yeah. So what has that history, what's that history of knowing how to do vocational rehab or the work that you did there? How does that translate to what you're doing today? Does it translate? Is there a, do you ever make a connection in your mind about the correlation there? You know, I've never really been asked that. I think it's all people related. I think that's the crux of it. Sales is still, you know, even though we've changed so much for him to inbound marketing, it's still, there's still communication amongst people. You know, I mean, I see a lot of trying to, you know, Amazon, our industry where some of the big companies have done that, where you just click on, Mm -hmm. I want this many bins, here's the price and you do the order online. I don't know how successful it's been. Um, I haven't really talked to anyone, but. We haven't gone there yet, and I don't know if we will. Yeah. We still want that human interaction. I think there's real value in being able to talk to someone on the phone. So, yeah. and that's what we hear from our customers, the ones that are moving from a larger organization to work more regionally. They like to be able to have a communication with someone on the phone or email conversation exchange right. versus push X button, push this button, that type of thing. So, so I think that's probably the commonality is still, you know, people focused for poor building. Yeah. Well, thank you. Thanks for sharing that. And I really appreciate you spending some time with us today. 
and sharing your insights on sales and loved your concept of the pick a day for data destruction. <laughs> oh, That's I like that. Cool. It might take a pick a day for data destruction. Pick a day. All right. Thank you, sir. Thank you. Thanks again for listening to the Shred Coach Podcast with Tom Adams. Make sure to tune in every week for a brand new $10,000 strategy or idea from trusted shredding and business professionals.